my wonderful friend, welcome to Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Krita, your host, and I'm very happy to be with you again today. Thank you for tuning in. It's uh, our pleasure to be able to open the Word of God again today and to learn together. But just before we are starting with our uh, uh, topic, uh, I would like from the beginning to give you the number where you can come with us and be part of this program because you can send us a text, you can send a message and maybe ask a question or make a comment. Uh, the number is zero four double eight. Double eight zero eight double one. On the same number, just jot it down because we are going to give you some uh, free offers today. And uh, I have a wonderful book uh, in our hands to offer you, and you'll really enjoy that. Now, I would like to introduce our uh, co-host for today. The first time I have uh, with me here in the studio, Pastor uh, Hugh. Pastor Hill, good to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me, uh, Nick. It's great to be here. Now, I was going to mention the surname, but I was not quite sure if I will say it correctly, but uh, probably you can uh, mention it. <laughs> yeah, sure. So my, my name is uh, Pastor Hugh Heenan, and uh, you can probably tell by the, the surname that it's a bit of an Irish background there um, in, in the Heenan. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, really good. Now, Pastor Hugh uh, joined our ministerial team here in South Australia not that long ago, maybe just over six months or something like that? Or Yes, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah so just beginning of this year, Nick, uh, began to join the team here in South Australia and loving it so far. It's oh, that's great. great. And place. you are ministering, uh, uh, Pastor Hugh, to Trinity Garden Church. That's uh, not far, actually, from the CBD. Yeah, that's right. So not just really a, a few stones throw away from the studio here oh, okay. at uh, Trinity Gardens and uh, also at uh, a second congregation, which is at uh, Mawson Lakes. That's the Faith Adventist Centre Church Plant. So I've got those two congregations and uh, both wonderful uh, church families uh, to belong to and, and to be a part of. Oh, beautiful. And if uh, some of our listeners uh, would like to come and visit some of those churches, you may be able to give some details where they can uh, come on. I mean... Right now, with the COVID situation, I'm not sure which one is open um, <laughs> for <laughs> for this weekend particularly. There will be church open, but there will be church closed. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. There's been a lot of upheaval in society, hasn't mm. there? And so there's a lot of uh, uh, uncertainties that come with that. But I'm really happy to say that uh, at uh, uh, Trinity Gardens that uh, you can catch us online. Uh, and uh, we'd be happy to to, uh, to have you join us there. Uh, I understand that it's on our, our website uh, for uh, the Adventist Church here in South Australia. Yes. So people can simply go to the uh, Seventh-day Adventist website for South Australia and they'll find all the details there for uh, for uh, joining us uh, online at uh, Trinity Gardens Church just there uh, at, along Portrush Road. So uh, when folks want to uh, get to know us and come and join uh, us in worship, uh, then we're just uh, not far from McGill, uh, but just along Port Rush. And then, of course, with Mawson Lakes, we're a congregation that is, uh, like I said, a church plant. Uh, we're, we're a baby uh, church, and we, we, uh, we're growing fast. And mm. uh, we, we uh, love our university students there at the University of South Australia uh, in Mawson Lakes. And uh, everyone from our surrounding community there 
uh, in uh, in Mawson, but also in the surrounding suburbs. So uh, very welcome to come and join us in those congregations. And that's a center there on uh, number 12 to 24 uh, Garden Terrace in Mawson Lakes. It's uh, Denison Center. If you like to visit uh, uh, that group, uh, please uh, feel welcome. But right now, uh, Hugh, if I could uh, go to our... Uh, other guest which we have uh, today and I believe uh, David is with us online. Uh, let's see. David, can you hear us? Yes, indeed, Nick. Good to be with you. Okay. I think I need to put the volume a little bit up for you here. But yes. um, David is the director of Family Voice Australia. Uh, particularly, David, you are looking after South Australia and Northern Territory. Is that right? That's right, Nick. Indeed. Oh, great, David. It's good to have you with us. Um, Thank you. I think just before we start, I couldn't hear Hugh as I was listening, but maybe that's just me. I don't know if his volume needs to be turned up. Yes, I put the volume quite um, up for Hugh because he has a soft voice, you know, but... No, uh, I couldn't. <laughs> I, think he, I think he's speaking through your microphone. I'm not sure if his microphone's even working, to be honest, but there we are. Yeah, no, uh, it shows uh, here that it's working, but, um, well, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, notifying us uh, okay. with, uh, with that. Uh, David... We are talking about a very interesting uh, topic today. For the whole week, we approach quite sensitive topics. You know, uh, we are talking about uh, why so many uh, churches go uh, to church. I'm sorry, that was my mistake. I had to stop that one. I just touch a button, you know, by mistake, and that happens. Uh, why so many people go to church on Sunday? But the next few programs are kind of related, you know, to what we are talking today in a way. We talked about uh, who is the Antichrist. And um, also we looked into the um, book of Revelation and Daniel about who is the beast in Bible prophecy. But today we are going to talk about the mark of the beast. Yes. Now, uh, David, um, what's your view? What is the mark of the beast? Yes, that's a, an excellent question. Now, we're really referring here to the book of Revelation, the 13th chapter. And in the first verse, it says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea. I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and each head had a blasphemous name on it. And then still in that 13th chapter, we read, He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, slave and free, to receive a mark on his right hand and on his forehead. So this is a very mysterious passage. It's been variously interpreted throughout history. I'm not sure anyone's got a definitive take on it exactly. You might recall some of the listeners, perhaps as I was, back in the 1980s, we were convinced that the, the 10 horns referred to the the 10 members of the European economic community. Mm -hmm. But, of course, when the number increased to 11, and I think it's up to 27 or something by now, uh, we had to throw that stupid theory out. <laughs> we, we should never have speculated in that way, Nick. Um, it is very wrong, I think, for us to try to come to some definitive idea about who is the Antichrist until it is absolutely certain who it is. Correct. And, and if you look along. in the Bible, you know, to have some ground there and to allow yes. the Bible prophecy to explain and to, uh, you know, uh, through the history of church yes. and all those things. You're right, David. Yes. So when Adolf Hitler came along, 
he was clearly the Antichrist, but no, not the case. Mm. And so there's a lot of speculation going on. Uh, the important thing for us is to be ready so that if we find ourselves confronting the Antichrist, that we will continue to place our faith in Christ the Saviour and that we will not receive the mark of the beast, whatever that might be, mm -hmm. some kind of tattoo or some kind of branding, who knows what that might be, speculation that it might be some kind of a microchip. Um, the, 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 the point is that it is the presence of the Antichrist which is the key to understanding the mark of the beast. So mm. until, until we see definitively the Antichrist present, then there is no mark of the beast because mm. the mark of the beast is, is integrally connected with the Antichrist. Yes, David, uh, you travel a lot visiting different churches, and I'm pretty sure you come across uh, these questions, you know, from people. And um, is there any connection in between, uh, you know, the mark of the beast and uh, some people uh, saying that uh, this uh, COVID vaccine, you know, and uh, whatever is coming along with uh, with this may be the mark of the beast? Uh, have you heard people talking this oh, way? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm sure this is a widely held view. Uh, you're really speaking about the COVID vaccine passport, which means that uh, none of us will be able to travel internationally unless we can prove uh, through some mobile phone app, presumably, or other documentation that we've had, the, had our COVID vaccines mm -hmm. uh, and that we have had testing for COVID. I'm very disturbed to read just today that in France, the... Uh, the president there, Macron, is thinking about making uh, the passport mandatory for things like even going to the supermarket or to your local shop. Uh, this is a very, very disturbing development, I must say, because uh, it is wrong. It is wrong for governments to to infringe in an unwarranted manner upon the freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, things like vaccines, they really are a matter of conscience. And while government can certainly play its part in Uh, in, in ensuring that we behave sensibly, um, I think that uh, we are really crossing the line in France, and I hope that that doesn't come to Australia. David, uh, you're coming across, um, you know, in the political world, to say so, different parties and views, uh, um, and I know you lobby, you know, for uh, a good Christian, uh, you know, good Christian values. Um, what are some of the things which you come across in the political uh, world? And um, I may ask you this, uh, what is the book of Revelation saying about the governing forces? Yes. Well, what we've got in the book of Revelation is an antichrist government. We've got civic authorities who are not in submission to Christ, the Savior and Lord, and who reject all of the wisdom of Christ for the management of the community. So the... The book of Revelation, of course, is a very difficult one to interpret. I personally think that it has an application both in the past and in the future. So uh, things that might apply particularly to the persecution of Christians in the first century give some indication as to how we can interpret the book. But I think it also has a future perspective, which is yet to be revealed for us mm -hmm. and, and yet to be experienced, I should say. So certainly Christians in the first century knew all about the persecution uh, of Nero, who would set Christians alight to to eliminate his garden parties and dress them up in, in, in animal skins that they might be devoured. And uh, the Christians to the lion was mm. the, the watchword, all to one lion, as they say. Uh, so the book of Revelation is really describing for us what happens 
when we turn from God and when our governing authorities turn from God. The, the scriptures speak beautifully about God's gift of government, but like every gift, it can be perverted and it can be turned around to oppose the very things of God. We give thanks for the governments that we enjoy in Australia and in many other parts of the world. I've mentioned Adolf Hitler. You see what happens there when a country forgets its its rich theological origins and the grace of God, uh, which was on Germany mm. uh, for, for a long time. Um, but in Australia, we are, we are currently very blessed to have uh, governments which are they're far from perfect, but they are largely ambitious for what is good and right. Our parliaments, of course, open each day with Christian prayer and uh, our civic authorities all promise to serve a queen who herself was crowned in a Christian ceremony and by pledging allegiance to her, they inherit consequences from the coronation oath where Queen Elizabeth promised before God to govern lawfully, justly and mercifully. So we, we have a very, very strong Christian basis to our government, uh, would to God that the government would understand that a bit better. That's why we need to pray for them and become more active as salt and light to help government be Christ-honouring instead of opening itself up to the forces of evil, which we read so clearly in the book of Revelation. And as you said a bit earlier, uh, David, uh, we need to uh, uplift in prayer, you know, uh, the uh, leadership and, uh, you know, political, um, uh, you know, figures. But uh, when uh, they move away from uh, uh, what the Bible says and the truth of the gospel, you know, as Christians, you know, we need to have a stand like the early Christians. David, yes. uh, it's so good to have you with us again today. Thank you for uh, joining. Uh, I yes. pray that you'll be blessed and uh, wherever you go and share, uh, you'll stand for the truth of the Bible. And um, encourage people, particularly in these days we live in when a lot of, uh, you know, uh, um, distress and worries are among people. Thank you so much for being with us today, David. Uh, we'll see you. We'll hear from you next time. We will indeed, Nick. Thank you so much. God bless. We are going to take a short break here and we'll play a song. Don't go anywhere. This is Faith FM, Drive Time Big Q&A. We'll be back shortly. Seven seals are broken and the seven vows are open 
and seven trumpets sound. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is Pastor Hugh Hennan. And uh, we are talking about the mark of the beast. Uh, Hugh, that's a very uh, tough one, eh? Uh, these days, Christians are having all sorts of ideas about the mark of the beast. Yes, uh, that's right, Nick. And as we heard just a few moments ago, uh, as you were talking with uh, with David there, there have been a lot of different viewpoints on this uh, throughout time and many generations now. And I think perhaps uh, a lot of speculation uh, more so even today mm-hmm. uh, as people are seeing the events around them. And you mentioned before about COVID, and I think it's probably true to say that when it comes to, to COVID, we've seen a lot of restrictions in the civil and the political space, uh, as was mentioned before. And you know, when it comes to uh, restrictions on, on movement, when it comes to uh, restrictions on assembly, uh, we have the right, human rights, to, to assemble together, uh, to, to move about, to, to re-enter and exit uh, our places of origin or nations of origin uh, that we're citizens of and, and this sort of thing. So, so these are enshrined uh, in our law. 
and uh, and uh, part of international treaties as well. Uh, but they're basic human rights. And what we see with the mark of the beast is an ever-tightening circle when it comes to those rights, where it moves from uh, the rights that relate to movement and mm-hmm. assembly and, and, and so on to freedom of speech and right on down to freedom of, of thought and of belief. Mm. Uh, and that's the most fundamental uh, right of them all. And it really speaks to who we are uh, as human beings. You know, If we don't have the right to believe, if we don't have the right to think or to uh, uh, consider things a certain way, uh, then we really are no longer such uh, human beings. We're more sort of automatons. And uh, uh, this is where the mark of the beast, I think, is an imi- sorry, is a is a, a topic mm. that uh, is very timely for our uh, our day and age. Yes, and it's very difficult, you know, to exhaust uh, in one program, you know, this amazing topic about uh, uh, things like the mark of the beast, who is the Antichrist. Uh, as I mentioned a bit earlier um, in in this program, I have a great offer today to give you, ah. and I'm going to give to our listener uh, this amazing book, Amazing Prophecies. Of Daniel and Revelation. This book is an absolute must for everyone interested in prophecy. Uh, I will give you uh, a great, uh, it, it will give you a great explanation of what we are talking about here uh, today. So if you like to get um, this offer today, you need to do just to text to us a simple code. We upgrade uh, our system a little bit and we make it easy for you because you may not remember uh, the title of the, the book or DVD, whatever we give. But right now, if you send us a SMS just with this code SA10, that stands for South Australia and 10, you could need to send this text to 048 and the Faith FM uh, giveaway boot will reply asking you for some details if you don't mind to to do those prompts. Uh, text us the code again, SA10. That's the letters SA like for South Australia and the number 10. That's an amazing uh, book and it's free of charge, no obligation. You can have it in your hands. Uh, Hugh, one of the most important and solemn subjects in the Bible... It's talking about, you know, the prophetic application of, uh, you know, um, uh, beasts and uh, all the other symbols as we looked into all this week um, from Daniel and Revelation. So, you know, God is so strong in his language because he's very strong in his love. Yes, that's right. And uh, he doesn't want us to miss out on the... Uh, important things, not to just go, uh, you know, floating, you know, into the Christian walk. Um, but again, I'm asking this question. What is the mark of the beast? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Nick. And I think, uh, as we just heard, there has been a number of different ideas with regards to what is this mark of the beast. Um, but I think what's probably even more important than that, if, if I may, uh, is uh, to point out that, that the context of this subject there in Revelation 13, and if our viewers are, uh, uh, have got a Bible nearby or you know something, a, a device that they can use and scroll on down, I'd encourage them to open up their Bibles and take a look at what we'll, uh, what we'll be uh, walking through together. But 
Revelation 13 comes in a context. It's really they're talking about not just what is this mark, but uh, you know, who's behind of this mark. It's mm-hmm. the mark of the beast. So who is this beast? And I understand, of course, from what you've just been saying now, that uh, you've been covering off on this topic uh, in preceding uh, programs yes. uh, to, to today. And so uh, I won't uh, go into that uh, so much, except to say that in Revelation 13, it's really clear uh, that this uh, beast power... Uh, is one that melds together, you know, uh, the civil, the political, but also the religious and the spiritual as well. It's it's interested in every part, vitally interested in every part and uh, parcel of our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's not a power that necessarily uh, is doing this right now in terms of uh, mark of the beast, uh, because uh, what we're about to look at, there there is no mark of the beast, so to speak, today in mm. terms of being applied to people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, and we heard before about you know microchips and we and tattoos and uh, barcodes and and uh, you name it and, and even people with with the mark of their forehead you know um, I remember I remember about Gorbachev you know in uh, oh, yes. and many people say he's the man with the Mikhail's the man yeah, yeah. But, but of course he wasn't was he no. no no it was a great birthmark though I must say he stand down in a crowd and uh, you knew exactly who Mikhail was didn't you um, a great man too but the, the fact of the matter is that uh, that when it comes to these different things, people are now talking about, uh, as was said before, about uh, vaccine passports, but even talking now about microchips that go under the skin or even float around in our bloodstream, uh, and uh, and thus that this is the the mark of the mm-hmm. beast as well. But I think the the more important question, as I was saying before, is you know, who is behind of this, uh, and and what is the true issue all about? It's more than just about. Uh, a mark. Uh, it's about the significance of that mark. Right. So when you take a look there in Revelation 13, might, might as well just dive right in here. But at the end of that chapter of Mark, uh, sorry, of uh, Revelation 13, you've got in verse 14 it says, and this is now talking about the second beast that came up out of the earth. And I understand that you've looked at that. But mm-hmm. because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast that came out of the sea, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So the first point there is that this is a deceptive power. The, what is what is at play here is is really uh, uh, confusing people to deceiving people, leading them astray uh, from a right understanding or from a, a clear-eyed uh, understanding of what's really at heart and what's at play and what's important uh, in, the, in the last days. And then it goes on from there and says that uh, not only does he deceive the inhabitants of the earth, but he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Mm. So time and again, you're hearing there this, this uh, reference back to worship. Uh, and so this is all about setting up an image uh, to, to be worshipped. It's talking there about, uh, uh, about the importance of, of worship itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in other words, what is of greatest worth or value uh, to uh, to the beast is is what is being imposed upon uh, the people around about. Uh, so there in uh, in verse fifteen, uh, uh, sorry verse sixteen, uh, it says that he also forced everyone or coerced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And we'll come to the last part there a bit uh, later on, perhaps. But mm. but uh, what's really important to point out here is that he is forcing everyone of all different parts of society. 
And the language which is used here is language which relates to back uh, to the times in which John lived. You know, back in John's day, those who received a mark in their body uh, tended to be because of a god that they worshipped, mm-hmm. or, or maybe because they were a part of uh, an elite group in society, or right. possibly at the very other end of things, maybe they were a slave uh, within society, and they had a master who would place a mark upon them, and they would do whatever their master would tell them to do. And one thing which you mentioned here, which I believe is very important to notice is that there is a deception going on mm. you know um, and we are going to maybe talk a little bit more who's behind the mark of the beast you know and what what the beast who's the beast you know but deception goes hand in hand then with enforcing mm. because once you are deceived a certain thing you know then um, enforcement you know will uh, will do its work you know well, this is the thing. You know, with this deception, it is to try and change a person's frame of mind mm-hmm. and how they see the world. And, and so, in other words, people will be uh, deceived into seeing things a certain way and thinking that what's important uh, is uh, is what they're being told is important. And miss out on the real thing. And Yeah, that's right. You know, go in the counterfeit direction rather than the genuine. Yeah. So, on one hand, th- it's about... Uh, it's about uh, the choices that people make a- and being led to believe that uh, what they're doing is the right thing to be done. But then there comes the coercion, there comes the force. And so not everyone's going to go along when it comes to, uh, to, to choosing to, to make the same choice as everyone else. Not everyone is a follower. Not everyone uh, just simply goes and follows the crowd. Yeah. But some people will need to be forced, according to the actions of this beast, to go along okay. uh, with, uh, with the direction it's going in. So in other words, this is where we come back to this whole concept of what's mentioned here of the mark being both in the forehead but also in the right hand. So Can you yes. explain that a little bit, uh, what that means with the forehead and the, the right hand? Right, very good. Well, back in those times, in John's time, and and uh, I think that's the most important place to start is his original audience and what was perhaps intended at the time and then take the principle and then uh, extrapolate that uh, to what then follows uh, uh, and into our day as well. But back in those days, not every slave was marked. Not everyone carried a mark, uh, but for certain reasons they would. And sometimes you would have a, a slave that uh, had been forced into slavery and they might carry a mark on their hand or somewhere else, but quite often on their right hand. And then... Uh, and then you would have those who may choose actually uh, to be somebody else's servant or slave. Uh, now, uh, in some cases, they may actually also choose uh, having uh, been a slave and being manumitted or being uh, provided with their freedom. They might say, no, actually, I want to stay with my master of my own volition and choice. And so, uh, consequently, uh, they would receive a different mark. Uh, sometimes it might be an all through the ear uh, to indicate that uh, they had made the choice to always stay with their master. Uh, but in Roman times, it could also be upon the forehead as well, to mm. make it really clear to whom they belonged. And so, you see here the difference between receiving the mark by choice and receiving the mark by force. Right, which means, again, intellect and also uh, inaction. That's right, mm. very much so, yes. Mm. And, and so some people might have both in terms of, uh, and certainly uh, uh, they will both choose and uh, will go along with what, the way they're being forced to. Look, that, don't, get, uh, don't get me wrong. I think it's important to say that uh, in certain circumstances uh, there, is, there is room to to for there to be the marketplace of ideas and to convince one another of what's important and what's right. Mm-hmm. But what's in view here, and this is very much still a future scenario, is one in which people are uh, are being 
forced or being uh, persuaded and deceived into worshipping an image or worshipping something or someone other than God mm. uh, and for ulterior motivations as well. Uh, something I think that's really important to also note out uh, here is that in verse 16 it's pointing out that everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, so this is every part of society. It's not just those who are at the uh, one end or the other of society. So everyone is going to be affected by this uh, ultimately in time mm. and it's going to affect the everyday conveniences of people we've become very used to having everything now and, and, and being able to very quickly and easily get what we want when, yes. we, when we need it or when we want it and so uh, we've been conditioned by our own needs uh, and by our own choices to, to seek what, what's convenient for us um, and, uh, and of course uh, really that uh, then speaks to what's expedient to, to our own uh, uh, to what we think uh, is useful to us. And so for that reason, we'll go along with, or many will go along with, uh, this, uh, this mark being imposed and, and the actions that go with it to give worth uh, and uh, veneration and worship to something or someone other than God. And again, you mentioned a couple of very important things. Worship, mm. which uh, only God deserves, you know, and God yeah. is asking us, you know, to worship him. Uh, and also talking about beast. Now, are you happy to share a little bit about that, this beast who deser- desires worship also? Well, I think before we get to that, uh, Nick, mm. I think it's really important also to say that uh, this is about taking the place of God. Uh, and so this power is one that wants to stand in the place of God yep. uh, and receive what only rightfully belongs to God. Uh, and receive it from us. And we talk about the Antichrist in that regard, yes. Yes, yep, yes. Yep. and so uh, mm-hmm. no doubt you've touched upon this before. Um, before we get to talking about, you know, uh, who is this beast or, or what is this mark and so on, another very important question, I think, uh, Nick, for us to think about mm-hmm. is the seal of God because there, there are two different marks, if okay. you will. There's yes. a mark of the beast and there's a seal of God. And so that we have a choice. We always have a choice in our relationships, in, in, in what's important to us, in our lives. Uh, we can choose either to receive the mark of the beast or the seal of God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about the, the seal of God, it is the question is asked earlier on in the book of Revelation at the end of chapter 6. The question is asked, who can stand for the great day of uh, God's wrath against sin, of course, has come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so who can stand in those last days? And the, the answer is given in Revelation chapter 7 that it is those that uh, have received the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So uh, the, the answer comes back, this angel comes up out of the east, same mm. direction, in fact, interestingly enough, that Jesus will come from, east yes. to the west, when yes. he comes at his, at his second uh, coming, uh, that uh, he, uh, he brings with him the seal of the living God, this, this angel that's pictured here. And what is said is, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Uh, and the next time we come across the seal is right after we've discussed the mark of the beast, mm. because we've just looked at the mark of the beast in chapter 13, but in chapter 14, uh, the same people are spoken of receiving this seal. Uh, 
variously called those who follow after the Lamb and, and follow Him wherever He goes, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, of course. Uh, those who have had their, their robes washed uh, in His blood, who've received freedom uh, yep. from sin or freedom uh, to live a new life in Christ. Uh, and uh, those who are called the 144,000, a completely, mm. uh, a whole other topic, a really big topic in and of itself. But what's really important to us here is this, that uh, this group, we're told, has his name, that is the name of the Lamb, and his Father's name written, guess where? On their forehead. On their forehead. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Not on their hand. So not on their hand where they're forced. You know, God never forces anyone. Mm. And so, you know, God has, uh, he wants to have his name written on our forehead, written into our life. And in fact, the word that is used for, for you know, where the, where the name is placed is not just on, but can also be translated in. So mm. into, you know, frontal lobe, that, that decision-making part of our mind, uh, and into our lives. Uh, and that's really interesting, isn't it? That God's name is written all over our lives. Uh, what does that even mean? I mean, I guess let me just throw that to you, Nick. When we think about God's name, what do you think that's really talking about there in terms of, because uh, uh, when we think of a name, we mm-hmm. think of something which describes or even perhaps even in some way defines a person. Don't we? I, I mean, the uh, first thing comes in my mind, uh, Hugh, uh, thinking about God and his name, I mean, he's the creator, Yes. I mean, that's amazing, you know. Yes. He's the creator of everything. Yes. I mean, that's a wonderful name. Uh, also, there are names in the Bible which refers to him like uh, um, Elohim and, mm. uh, you know, I, uh, I am who I am and all those things. But, you know, he's the creator, which means we are his subjects. Yes, that's right. Lovingly uh, formed and shaped for community and for friendship by God himself. Mm. You know, Probably the most famous uh, passage in all of the Bible when it comes to God's name, and you mentioned just a few of the many names of God that are mentioned in the Bible, but uh, when Moses met God upon the mountaintop, you recall that, of course, mm. and, and he was hidden in the cleft of the rock, and then God passed before him, and, and something very powerful was said there. And this is taken from Exodus uh, chapter 34, where, where it says uh, that he proclaimed his name, the name of the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses saying, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, abounding in goodness, in love and faithfulness, slow to anger, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Mm. Wow, what a name. Amen. That's that's even hardly beginning to encapsulate all that that, uh, God is and all his compassion, love and goodness. And so in other words, when we have his name written on our forehead, that's really saying we have of our own choice said, wow, when I look at God, when I look at his face, I can't wait to have his visage, his image mm-hmm. on my life, on my face, uh, his name written on my forehead, uh, because I want to be like him. I want to have his uh, spirit, his uh, characteristics in my life. Right. Yes. And so this is what what's really at stake here is are we going to be people who are like the beast, people of force and violence and resentment and anger and, and, and hatred and all that goes with that? Uh, or are we going to be instead uh, those who are made after uh, the heart of God, who, who mm. have his, his image in our life. We don't worship the image of the beast, but we worship uh, the one in whose image we're made as our creator, as you were saying before, uh, the one who uh, is uh, so full of love and joy and peace. And that's probably what was on the face of all those people who gave their lives for God, mm. all the martyrs, you oh, know. Yes. They were singing, you know, they were happy because 
that was the name of God on their forehead, the character, in other words, yes, that's right. of God in their life, and they they uh, lived that uh, through yes. death. His spirit and the, the pulsating uh, beauty and power of his love in their lives um, was 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 right there, central to who they who they were, and and hopefully how we are and who we are today. In, in him. In fact, uh, various places in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul resonates with what the Apostle John is saying in Revelation because he talks about how that the Holy Spirit is a seal mm. in our life. Uh, for example, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, he says here that you also were included. So every one of our listeners here uh, today and uh, each one of us, uh, we are included. When we were included in Christ, it was when we heard the word of truth. So not deception like the beast, but truth. Uh, the gospel, the good news of you being saved uh, and rescued. Salvation. And then having believed, you were marked in him. Notice that word mark. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You can't just stop praising God mm. to his glory when we realize that our inheritance is is guaranteed by the Spirit, his Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, living in our life. Yes. And so his character, yes. His Spirit, yes. His love, his joy, peace, patience, and all the fruits of the Spirit that we could talk about as well. Now, um, you mentioned a very interesting word before, Nick. You mentioned the word character. That was really important, I thought. That stood out to me. Because uh, when you look at the words that are used here in Revelation 13 about the mark of the beast, mm. there are many words for mark uh, in the Bible. Uh, and so when we talk about uh, the seal or the mark of God, the seal of mm-hmm. God, we're talking about the sradizo. Uh, uh, and uh, so that is uh, those who are to be sealed or to be secured and to be uh, uh, to to have uh, uh, the evidence or the proof of whose they are inscribed mm-hmm. upon them. Uh, and so their future is secure and they are made safe in Christ in the spirit when they have their focus upon him. But with the mark, it's interesting. Now, there are different words that are used for mark. Of different kinds, physical marks. We talk about forehead. We talk about um, right hand. Yes. Uh, the common one is stigmata. Now, mm. we've, you've probably heard that term many a time. Yes. Yeah. In in many different countries around the world, particularly you know more Catholic countries, you'll come across uh, like the Philippines and so on, uh, people who actually have the physical marks in their in their wrists or hands and in their feet. Maybe those who are crucified uh, at at Easter time, mm. uh, not to the same extent as Jesus, of course, um, but uh, nonetheless, they carry those those marks upon them physically. Mm. Those physical marks, material marks. Uh, that's a stigmata. But the word here, it could have been stigmata, but it's not. The word that's used here for mark of the beast is karagma or karagmata. And that's significant because the etymology of the word, the, the, the background of this word, takes us back to karaktia. Sounds a bit like ka- mm-hmm. karagma, mm-hmm. but karaktia. And of course, in English, that sounds very much like character. character. And so this is talking about God's character in our lives, so much of, or rather, the mark of the beast is talking about the the beast's character, mm-hmm. I should say, in our lives, uh, and becoming a part of who we are. Uh, but we want the seal of God. We want His character in our life as well. So this is what's really at heart and at play uh, here in Revelation 13. It's not actually about stigmata. It's not about 
tattoos mm. or or microchips or or injections or whatever else. It's not about those things. Um, it's not a, it's not as if you're going to walk along after this uh, after we've been here this evening in the studio and we walk uh, back to our car and a couple of guys jump out from behind a bush and they mm. rubber stamp you on the forehead mm. and hey presto. You've got the mark of the beast. Um, you, you hardly even knew it was coming. Yes. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's no. a, we, we actually yeah. uh, will make a choice either by force or of our own inclination to receive the mark of the beast, yeah. and we don't want to do that. And I can see here, uh, uh, Pastor here, mm. uh, these two obvious things. Uh, the seal of God, mm. you know, character, love, the, the amazing love of God, or you can see the mark of the beast, the beast and you wonder what's the beast Character, you know, because mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about this, uh, who the beast is, and we maybe mentioned that. Just while I'm uh, having this uh, here, I just want to take a take a message from our listeners, and uh, maybe we'll just um, briefly mention this. Uh, our listener uh, Mick, it's asking this: Why would you say the mark of the beast is in the future? The context of Revelation seems to be the first century. What would you like to say? But in terms of the the what surrounds this this mark of the beast, the context of it, and the placement in terms of uh, history and prophecy, it clearly is still future. What we're talking about here, it is talking about the very last days. But the principle of what we're talking about is all the way through from John's day to today. Mm. And I think what really helps us understand that is that yes, uh, John was talking about things happening in his day, and then applying them prophetically to all the times that have followed then since God's aspirations and dreams for his people, right on through to the day that he comes. And what's interesting in that regard is that in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, at the very end of uh, Revelation, we often think of as happening after all the turmoil and tribulation and so on, and we're finally home with God. There it says that those who find their place there will have, first of all, their name written in the book of the the Lamb of Life, Mm -hmm. uh, the Lamb's Book of Life. So our name will be written in his book, but then later on it says that his name will be written on our forehead. So still, it's not just about what happened in the first century. It's not only about what's going to happen at this time or what's going to happen in the near future, but how that that is important for our eternity and our eternal destiny as well. Um, we want to have not the mark of the beast because Revelation 14 points out in the tale, well, verse, uh, verses 9 through 12 or through 11 rather, points out that if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. Mm. God's fury against all the wrongdoing and the hurt that we've, we've sustained uh, will be poured out. And he doesn't want that to be upon us. He wants us to be saved from that. He wants us to receive instead the seal of God and 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 so be safe and secure. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this will always be important, but it's going to reach its zenith of importance towards the very end of time, the time that was being spoken of here in context in Revelation 13 and 14, and will have ramifications right through into eternity because yeah. it will determine. Yeah. Our choice will determine uh, in 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 response to His determined choice to choose us. Mm as to whether we uh, receive the mark of the beast and are lost or whether we receive the seal of God and so are saved. Right. Now, I know uh, I may use a couple of words now which are very difficult probably to to mm-hmm. say in just in, in a few minutes, but um, many people, and Mick, by the way, uh, you're right, because uh, even right in that uh, period of time, in the early church, there were these things still at, at 
work, you know, with the manifestation of the Antichrist and so on and so forth. But there are those words, you know, like uh, preterism, you know, people who think that everything uh, apply only in the past or futurism, which will apply only in the future. Um, But most of the uh, reformers, I mean, all of the reformers, I will say, Mm -hmm. they use the other uh, principle, which was historicism, which was, you know, going from, you know, the beginning, whatever, make reference, uh, the prophecy to the end. It was through the history. And there are people today, even on the other aspect of uh, idealism, uh, thinking that, okay, Mm -hmm. this is just uh, symbolism and so on and so forth. But I believe if all the, in all this period of time, with the uh, great reformers, uh, God led them to the truth mm. and to reveal, you know, the, mm. the truth further to the next and next generation through this, uh, uh, you know, uh, method of interpretation. I think it's it's safe for us also to use it. Well, yes, I think I think that's right because really, what is being what what we see here in Revelation is that it has continuing relevance all the way through from John's day to our day and beyond, mm. uh, and so that historicist principle or, or, or perspective is very important. Preterism is uh, you know taking that uh, those other views, preterist and, and futurist and idealist, they have their place, as does an historicist view as well. Uh, God's word is entrenched in in uh, history is entrenched in our story. And vice versa, all the way through history, history yeah, yeah. in time. Um, now, time I'm, is going very quickly, uh, Hugh, and uh, I don't want to miss on on uh, some very important things which mm. we want to point mm. out. We may have uh, just uh, over, you know, about ten minutes, uh, uh, but yeah, let's see how we can uh, we can uh, bring it together a little bit. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, the time that we have at hand, I think it's really important that we now talk about those last two verses of uh, Revelation 13. So uh, it tells us there that uh, that uh, that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, mm. which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Uh, and so uh, it's not just a mark; it's the name of the beast. So you've got the name of the beast, and you've got the name of God, the mark of the beast, and the seal of God. We want to have the name of of the Father not the mark of the beast or his name. Um, and so the mark is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now that's really important because mm. back in those times in which John was writing many languages and still some languages today, letters and numbers um, would uh, could be used interchangeably. So certain letters would actually have various numerical values. Yes. Uh, and that was very true when it came to, uh, to Latin, as we know, um, but also it, it holds true with other languages, even like, uh, for example, Hebrew and Greek Mm -hmm. uh, that also is true too Um, and so uh, now is that important to us is that does God want us to dig a bit deeper in this well actually the last verse of the chapter says yes this calls for wisdom verse 18 if anyone has insight let him calculate the number of the beast for it is man's number his number is 666 so falling short of the glory of God. God's mm. number is seven, of course, the number yes. of completion. Yes. Uh, and so uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But this is one which this, uh, this power that's behind of this mark <clears throat> is very much uh, entrenched in that, six, six, and six. Uh, if you go all the way back to the Babylonians, they had what was called the, uh, uh, the sexadecimal system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was all based upon six. We, we base it upon tens or decimal. And, and so they worked out, you know, back then 360 degrees in a circle, 60 seconds to a minute, 60 minutes to an hour, and so on and so on. Uh, and so this also crept 
into, uh, not just from their mathematics, but into their religion and into their worship. And they used it esoterically as a mystery number and so on to signify the worship of the sun and those who were empowered by the, the sun, the S-U-N, and various, uh, various idolatrous pagan gods as well. And this then was passed on through time. <clears throat> we still have the sexodecimal uh, system having its influence mm-hmm. uh, in the ways that I've just mentioned. And it got passed on through the various different empires that followed and entrenched itself also within the Roman Empire because in the Roman Empire uh, they, they also used many of the numbers and signs and symbols that related to the worship of the sun and various uh, pagan gods that they'd adopted as well. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, why is that significant? Well, that was the power that was in charge in John's day. And so they, they had adopted some of these things. Uh, and John is writing as if to say, uh, you know, his readers will, if they apply a bit of wisdom, they'll get on and get, un- get to understand what he's talking about here. Uh, now, back in those times, the number 666 could be applied to, to various different figures mm-hmm. um, within the Roman system, in particular towards the emperor, um, but then as we think, take that historicist view, uh, and we come on down towards the ends of time, we, we have to say, well, there's no Roman emperor today. Yes. So, how does it apply as we're getting closer and through time, and especially as we get closer to the very end? Well, if I was to say to you, Nick, that Nick Creta, no, actually, I won't use your name, Hugh Heenan, if Hugh Heenan added up to 666, 660 and 6, uh, that would be very unfortunate for me, wouldn't it? Mm. It would just uh, be uh, very sad to think that uh, maybe I'm the, the Antichrist. Um, but that could just be coincidence. Yes. But what if it was, if I carried numerous titles and in different languages, and time and again it came up to 666? Would that continue be coincid- to be... Coincid- coincidental? How do you say that? <laughs> not, not quite so coincidental anymore, yeah. is it? Yeah. Um, and so uh, there is a power, and we've, we've talked about this, uh, I think, in previous uh, episodes through Revelation 13. We've seen it applied to uh, not just to the Roman pagan power, but to the Roman papal power as well, sad to say. This, this melding together of the religious and of the secular yep. governments um, in one. Now, uh, examples of that. So one of the titles of, of uh, the papacy or, or of the, the Pope is um, on his crown the triple crown, Vicilius Filii Dei or mm-hmm. the Vicar of the Son of God um, and so this um, title uh, is mentioned numerously is mentioned by uh, Cardinal Manning one of the most influential cardinals of the 19th century yep. uh, and uh, it's mentioned uh, also by Dr. Quaston, a professor of the American Catholic University, going into the mid part of the 20th century as well, and also by uh, various publications like our Sunday Visitor of the Catholic Church also. And um, it is noted that uh, this was a title upon, now it's a bit disputed in other sources, mm-hmm. but, but the, these various different Catholic uh, notaries have said that, yes, it was a title that uh, the Pope carried. And uh, if you add up Vicarious Filii Dei, it comes to 666. Other titles include uh, Ludovicus, or, or Dux Clerae, mm-hmm. the, the captain of the clergy, uh, 666. Ludovicus, also, it's a title that's ascribed to the Pope, which also adds up to 666. And, uh, and various other uh, ones that we could it, mention as well. Yeah. But time is time It's is unfortunate, it's and, unfortunate uh, that today time is going so yes. quickly, but... Yes. Uh, not worry, you need to have this book in your hands, which I mentioned a bit earlier, Amazing Prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, and you just need to send 
a code number and that's SA10 stands for South Australia and 10 number is 04888808811 I have to say goodbye today Thank you for uh, being with us uh, and uh, looking forward for next time when we are going to talk a little bit more about decoding Bible prophecy symbols. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine Shine this little light.